0: alex Pearson.
1: first of all i think canadians understand how important it is that we continue uh, to do all the necessary work with our national security institutions to keep canadians safe to keep our institutions safe and canadians can be and should be confident that our institutions particularly our electoral and democratic processes have not been compromised were not compromised in the 2019 2021 elections.
2: Just trust him. That's what we are supposed to do. Just trust Justin Trudeau. Alex Pearson with you on this Monday, February 27th. Great to have you as we kick off a brand new week, which apparently is going to look a lot like last week. So we'll uh, dig into the weather that's going to hit later today. We'll get you through that. But certainly a lot to go through today on a story that is not going away. And if the prime minister is so sure China's not interfered in our elections, why won't he let anyone look? I mean, that's just the basic question. What you got to hide? On Friday, Truo again dodged and diluted all questions on Chinese interference, again repeating that his government's got all these controls in place to deal with it. He is being dishonest at best. His government's done nothing to stop this kind of behavior, and despite growing calls to do the right thing, Trudeau said Friday he will not be calling an inquiry. Which at this point, okay, I'd agree. Forget the inquiry. Let's just launch a criminal investigation. On Friday night, Sam Cooper dropped the receipts. Allegations at the very top levels of Trudeau's inner circle were warned directly by CSIS that China had interfered to secure the liberal nomination in the riding of Dawn Valley North for Han Dong. According to Cooper's report, CSIS started tracking the former Liberal MPP in 2019 because, according to Cooper's report, he was suspected to be one of 11 Toronto candidates who were said to be puppets for Beijing as part of this clandestine interference operation. According to Sam, Michael Chan, <clears throat> pardon me, another former Liberal MPP, had pushed Dong to run. Now, why does Michael Chan matter? Well, because he has been a top target of a CSIS investigation for about a decade on suspicion that he, too, is an alleged agent of China. Cooper reports that CSIS has been watching both of these men since their days at Queen's Park and that Trudeau's senior aides were not just warned about both men, but CSIS specifically warned that Dong should not be allowed to run over his alleged connections to Beijing. They were warned of other interference, which would include things like Chinese-Canadian seniors and students who apparently were bused into this Toronto riding and threatened that they had to vote for Hong or could face something like deportation. The urgent warning ignored. Dong is now a sitting MP and Michael Chan is deputy mayor of Markham. Both men completely deny the allegations. But they are just the latest In this roundup of troubling allegations that so far Trudeau has brushed off or he says that they are inaccurate and then does not correct them. And on Friday, you know, to question any of this, Trudeau says, well, that plays partisan politics and it plays right into China's hands, undermining our democracy. So I guess when he says there's just been a little bit of interference, we're just supposed to be okay with that and trust him, Right. We're talking about the same government so ethically challenged that the ethics commissioners ordered the party back into ethics training and then quit in frustration. You know, he may be refusing an independent inquiry, but the list of those demanding the answers since even just Friday has grown a lot because you've got the former electoral officer of Canada, like the top guy at the elections commission warning That there has to be an independent investigation because the integrity of our system cannot be left like this. The former head of CSIS, Richard Fadden, an advisor to both Stephen Harper and Trudeau, is insisting an independent investigation is needed. Even Gerald Butts, we're talking Trudeau's best, best friend, and former senior advisor has now reversed course and said, look, something stinks. Jagmeet Singh is now saying, all right, who knew what and when and where? Albeit, he is uh, known for a lot of talk. It's what he will do with what he knows now. I guess we'll find out throughout the day. I mean, all these simple things that Trudeau should be doing, he is refusing to do, you know, on this insistent that, well, it's all being investigated at committee hearings, that his own government um, has refu- you know, refused to release documents at and won't allow key witnesses to testify. And CSIS, which has testified a couple of times before committee last year in September, it told this government they don't have the tools to do a proper investigation of interference because we have not done an upgrade or an update to their investigation intelligence since 1984. So, no, we are not properly investigating any of this. And clearly, the prime minister would like this all to go away. I don't blame him. It stinks to high heaven. But now, of course, we get into all the, you know, the Trump deflection, or he's just, you know, using his own politics to to make it go away. Or, you know, you can just wait for the conservatives to give him cover, which, of course, they did Friday when this photo surfaces showing three conservative MPs keeping company with uh, far-right German leader Christine Anderson, who is known for her extreme views on Islam and um, anti-Semitic views. And, of course, Paulie ever condemns the meeting and his MPs, but their stupidity, just stupidity, allows Trudeau to do this. Consistently, we
1: see conservative parliamentarians and people who should know better associating themselves with folks responsible for a particularly vile level of rhetoric and hatred. And their answer is all the same. Oh, we didn't know. At one point, Canadians you know, need to stop being treated like fools.
2: Look, that guy is hardly one to judge about the company conservatives keep, giving his own, you know, private photo shoot with Josh Boyle, you know, taking a convicted terrorist to India, paying a Jew hater at Leith Maroof half a million bucks. But why conservatives insist on punching themselves in their own face is so beyond me. With allegations China is keeping too much company with the liberal government, all they have to do is get out of their own way, and they never can. They just can't. And one of the little tidbits that Sam Cooper reports is this latest warning by CSIS, saying, quote, the Liberal Party of Canada is becoming the only party that the People Republic of China can support. End quote. And clearly they are. But this is the kind of interference the prime minister is not only downplaying, but does not want investigated because we're just supposed to trust him. Prime minister will be uh, speaking this afternoon. I guess he's with the premier at one o'clock. So I suspect he will be asked again. And I think the strategy is to rag the puck and hopefully, uh, you know, wait for something else to take the news off the front page. But We've got two Toronto area politicians with some pretty serious allegations of working for enemy state. And he's got to give an answer. Maybe Mr. Butts got into his ear and he'll finally say, fine, we'll do an investigation. But if he doesn't, why? No one is suggesting the election was overturned. But there's no such thing as a little bit of interference being okay.
3: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg in williamsburg virginia there's never too much of a good thing whether you're a foodie a golfer a history buff a shopaholic an outdoor enthusiast or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here and more so ask yourself what is it you want discover williamsburg and plan your trip at visit williamsburg.com
0: it started with a whisper and I've-
2: This is Alex Pearson, Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Canadians can be, and should be, confident that our institutions, particularly our electoral and democratic processes, have not been compromised, were not compromised, in the 2019 or 2021 elections.
2: I'm not sure how the Prime Minister knows that. Unless he does a proper investigation, and that has not been done at all. But he is under growing pressure to launch an independent inquiry that he does not want to call and said he would not be calling on Friday. But there is this growing pressure to call uh, an investigation into these allegations that seem to reveal China interfered in both the 2019 and 2021 election. And no sooner had Trudeau shut the idea down, on an inquiry that we get this other, another bombshell, this one from Sam Cooper, alleging that the uh, top advisers of the prime minister's uh, office had been warned directly by CSIS that China had interfered to secure the liberal nomination in the riding of Don Valley West North for Han Dong. And according to these reports, CSIS was tracking him. And at the time, he was a former liberal MPP in 2019, because it was thought that he was connected to the 11 Toronto candidates that uh, Cooper's already reported on, who were said to be willing participants for Beijing in this clandestine interference operation that was uh, exposed back November-December. And of course, as we know, the warning was ignored, and now Mr. Hong is a sitting MP. Sam Cooper, national investigative journalist with Global News, also author of the book that you keep asking me about, Willful Blindness. It is available. You can grab it on Amazon if you want, but uh, nonetheless, it is available. He joins us now. Good to have you, Sam. Thanks, Alex. Boy, oh boy, you are dropping bombs. Um, These things are coming fast and furious. But for those who might not have read your article, um, these are pretty damning allegations. Is there any way that Justin Trudeau would not have been advised? I mean, is this a case of the prime minister who he can say uh, plausible denied, plausible denied ability or willful blindness? Uh, Was he notified or just his advisors?
0: Well, uh, the, the information that we reported and that I got from sources with awareness of this briefing in late September 2019 is senior Liberal Party officials with security clearances were were briefed in an urgent classified briefing. The intention, our sources say, was to warn them that CSIS had investigative information that suggested uh, Mr. Han Don was alleged to be... Uh, suspected of involvement in PR, People's Republic, foreign interference in Canada. And furthermore, uh, uh, the second major allegation in the brief was the concern by CSIS and the warning to uh, the Liberal Party and Trudeau government was that uh, Mr. Don was connected to former Ontario Liberal uh, Minister Michael Chan, who was Mm -hmm. also allegedly a top target. So the information uh, uh, I I reported was that the warning is that uh, Mr. Don is a a threat and so he should not run uh, in this election. This was shortly before the nomination deadline. Uh, Was Mr. Trudeau or Prime Minister Trudeau uh, alerted to this information? We don't have that reporting. What we have is that senior Liberal Party officials were warned in no uncertain terms in this CSIS briefing, there's a concern here of Chinese interference, and this candidate is uh, believed to be a risk. And Alex, let me say, uh, Mr. Don strongly, strongly denies the allegations. He uh, he has said that you know this alleged information from CSIS sourcing and documents that I questioned him about. He's denying it. And also, uh, Mr. Chan, who is now the deputy mayor in York Region, vehemently denies all the allegations that uh, that uh, he would be involved in. Uh, interference from Beijing in the federal election, but Alex, that that is the information from uh, Csis sourcing in our story.
2: Yeah, and the prime minister has been all over the place on this. At first, when you first reported this stuff um, back in uh, November, December, you know he didn't know about it; he wasn't briefed on it, and then it flipped to well, it was just a little bit of interference. You know, he's been kind of all over the map on this, then you've got Robert Fife's information of seeing these CSIS documents, and it's getting harder for him to kind of deny that there's something going on here, and yet he will not agree to an inquiry, instead saying, well, we're going to have these committee hearings. But you well know, Sam, you can't get to the bottom of any of this on a committee hearing.
0: No, uh, and that's the point that uh, former CESIS director Dick Fadden made to us uh, on Global News, uh, the West Block show on Sunday. We discussed uh, the revelations in, in my report. And, you know, the the, the greater context of the reporting uh, we've been chasing along with others for the past few months. And Mr. Fadden said the partisanship in these hearings will make it impossible, essentially, that uh, to get to the bottom of what's happening here. Mr. Fadden said uh, just based on what he what he's reading in our reports, what he knows, the context, he can't see a reasonable argument against a public inquiry. He essentially uh, argued that Canadians need to have confidence, uh, whatever the truth is here, that that elections are, are fair. And I should add that we asked uh, that is our host asked Mr. Fadden, does the 2021 uh, election results stand? Mr. Fadden said he believes it's a valid result. Result. He uh, he believes this could be you know under two dozen ridings targeted, but uh, he says he doesn't uh, he he doesn't he questions whether some of those what he believes are two dozen ridings are fair results and that needs to be looked at he said
2: yeah whether it's one no one i think has suggested uh, to my knowledge that that the election was turned over not even the conservatives but even if it's one or two ridings that were successfully played with that is not acceptable at all regardless of of who's been doing it um, having said that, it's not just the former head of CSIS that's uh, saying we need a, an inquiry. It's also the former elections commissioner who's saying we need an investigation. Now, Jerry Butts has reversed course after being very critical of the reporting by you and the uh, the Globe. Now he's saying, all right, we have to have an investigation. So the prime minister is speaking uh, today. He's going to be asked questions. What answer do you need to hear from him that will at all make any of this uh, start to make sense?
0: Well, I mean that—that's a great question. Again, you raised it at the start. What can we actually uh, with? full confidence know of what the Prime Minister knows about these serious warnings these serious allegations that my sourcing is has gone to the high levels in the Liberal Party and the Liberal government over the past two years of Chinese interference what is Prime minister trudeau's knowledge and so uh, at this point uh, uh, he could have said we need uh, we need new uh, a foreign registry we need the laws mm-hmm. that uh, uh, a bipartisan panel has been recommending of parliamentary for years uh, already undertaken in countries such as Australia. So there's two things. Are, are these laws going to be tabled that other uh, diligent countries have in this changing threat environment? And yes, uh, will he uh, agree to uh, a formal public independent inquiry to get to the bottom of all this information about what, what did people know, when did they know it? Or if they didn't know it, uh, who's responsible?
2: Yeah. And just before I let you go, it's not just that, um, um, you know, China would be watching this very carefully, but our five eye partners would know about this as well. And so I don't think he has a choice. I mean, he's got to at some point look like he's serious enough that he's that we're not compromised, um, you know, in every part of our country.
0: I I can confirm that in Washington, national security sources in and out of the government that is in the community that have been watching Canada for a long time and have a lot of information about uh, the alleged suspects in Canada uh, do are watching with great concern what is happening in Canada. So I do agree that some form of inquiry uh, will have to... You can't see the government not agreeing to it. It will be for certain partisan reasons, as Mr. Fadden said, will people try to limit the scope or, you know, uh, not... Set things up in a way would be my concern where we can't get the full answer. We can't get the people that were in these briefing meetings to testify.
2: I'm sure by then you'll have 20 more bombs to drop. All right. Uh, we'll keep uh, an eye on this. Thanks a lot, Sam. I appreciate it. Thanks. That is Sam Cooper, who has been uh, diligently working this story. It didn't happen overnight. Like We're talking years and years and years of reporting to bring us to the point we are at. And a lot of you have said, what's that book? He authored the book *Willful Blindness*. If you want to get a true understanding of what we are talking about, the book is *Willful Blindness*. And he's also got a terrific uh, feed on his Twitter, Scooper Cooper. If you want to go through everything he has found, it's uh, it's quite something. Uh, one, two.
0: You're listening to Alex Pearson, Toronto's news. Today's talk, six forty, Toronto.
2: I don't know if you'll burn the house down, but uh, gonna have to knock a whole bunch of houses down if you want all this new housing. Alex Pearson with you on six forty. So there's a new report suggesting, and this will be an issue dealt with uh, by City Hall uh, probably in the next uh, few days. But there's a report suggesting that tens of thousands of heritage buildings across this province could face the uh, wrecking ball to make way for all the new housing. And without question, um, you know, we'll lose a lot of character in history if it happens, not to mention the kind of quality building that you just don't see anymore. And when you look at Toronto alone, there are 4,000 heritage sites in this city, and they are in the path for densification. And under Bill 23, the More Homes Build Faster Act, municipalities have to... Uh, if they want their buildings designated as heritage, they've got until January 1st, 2025, or they're all up uh, for grabs, I guess. And and it's not an easy process. So it's like, they you know, they can file their applications and whatever, but it takes a long time to give you an idea. Toronto was able to designate 64 buildings last year. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. So if there's 32,000 Heritage sites in this province—they um, got a lot of work to do in the next two years. Diane Chin is the uh, chair of Architectural Conservancy, Conservancy here in Ontario and joins us now. Good to have you, Diane. Oh, good morning. Thank you for for having me on your show. I I know that not all heritage properties are created equal, and some aren't heritage. But you know, we have a lot of um, older buildings that I absolutely cringe when I see them disappear. Because I think they tell a story and I don't know why we don't um, have a little bit more outside the box thinking and transferring them into part of the plan. But um, take us through some of the uh, threats to the heritage situation across the province.
3: Um, well, as you mentioned in your introduction, there are 32,000 actual plus properties because those are the ones that we could confirm from heritage registries and by t- speaking to individuals on municipal count- councils. So, it's a real um and as you say, um I mean in smaller municipalities, the designation, for example, Windsor has been able to designate one property for a year and they have eight hundred and eighty four listed. So it's uh it will be an incredible loss. And it's not only a loss to our history and our heritage and our stories, as you mentioned, but it's, it's also a loss to the environment because every building that comes down ends up in uh, a landfill site. And so all of the carbon produced as a result of that work, all of the trucking of that material uh, to those landfill sites, down the 401, in some cases to Michigan, is a terrible, terrible um, uh, pr- crime against the environment. And considering um, that many of these buildings are perfectly fine, they're just not for the use that we might want them to be. But there are also many examples, Alex, across Toronto and across the province where buildings have been repurposed into uh, other uses that, the, <clears throat> that are important to the community, uh, such as affordable housing, such as housing for, for women in need, such as house- housing for those with mental health issues, and so it just involves creative thinking and thinking outside of the box, and it's not something that I think as a province and as a construction industry that we have been used to doing, and so I think there needs to be a push on the part of municipalities um, and the government as well to to have that kind of thinking and to allow those
2: um, projects to to go ahead.. <laughs> I I don't think a lot of people likely even thought about this, and this may be one of those bureaucratic uh, things where they just didn't think, okay, Mm. this is going to take a lot longer than two years. And so, are you hearing from municipalities that are stepping forward and saying, hold on a second, we can't get these designated? Can you, like, put a moratorium on these things? Because I think there will be certainly from smaller communities, for whatever reason, Toronto doesn't care about preserving anything, but, you know, I I come from Hamilton. They've done a wonderful job um, of preserving their old architecture, thankfully, and their heritage sites. Toronto doesn't care, but there are a lot of smaller municipalities where they've got heritage uh, buildings, and a lot of people will not want to see those go. That's correct. And I mean, when you think about it, uh,
3: of that 32,000, 4,000 are in Toronto, that means 28,000 are around the province. And in a lot of those municipalities, those unique streetscapes and downtown cores, which have a lot of these buildings, are tourist draws. I mean, we think about St. Jacob's, we think about Niagara-on-the-Lake. Port Hope, for yeah, yeah. example, was named by Condé Nast magazine as, as the prettiest uh, town in Canada, heritage town in Canada. And it, I see busloads, I live near Port Hope, I see busloads of people uh, coming to to Port Hope for a variety of reasons. And it, it's a huge economic uh, stimulus for that for that town. So it's really, I think it was not, as you said, carefully thought through. I don't think Uh, the bureaucrats, uh, the politicians realized what, in fact, they were doing. I think they saw heritage as an impediment. I don't know why, because heritage properties represent half of 1% of Ontario's building stock. That's an incredibly small number, and yet that number is significant, as you said, for the stories they tell and the interest that they create in communities.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, people just look at it and think, "Well, okay, I, I can't buy this property because I can't do anything with it without getting permission, and it can be a lot of, uh, you know, going through hoops." Having said that, is there a way to expedite the designation of, of these homes? Or on the flip side, would there not be a way to make a proposal to the province and say, look, we will, you know, ease off a little bit with, uh, with um, you know, the restrictions of, you know, re- refurbishing these older places and make it easier to do that um, as long as you don't tear them down? Is there some kind of uh, mechanism you can approach the province on?
3: Well, we have been trying to uh, myself. I have sent a number of requests to Minister uh, Michael Ford's office asking for a meeting so that we can have exactly this kind of conversation that you are suggesting. Um, One of the other um, proposals that we have that we would like to speak to the government about is that there is an issue... um, Apparently, from what I've heard from the housing industry, the amount of houses that the current government would like to see built, it's not going to happen because of one major issue, and that's a lack of labour. We know there's a lack of labour across many industries currently in this province, but it's especially true in the construction industry, and even more true in the renovation industry or the repurposing Mm -hmm. industry that we are talking about. So we need the the Ontario government to find a way to work with the Ministry of Colleges and Universities to get more apprenticeship uh, programs going for young people, because we know that young people, um, you know, are looking for good paying jobs so they can can buy their first home, and the um, construction, renovation, repurposing industry provides those good paying jobs. There's just not enough people in them at the moment. And, of course, they need to be trained. And they need to have places where they can be trained. And there are a shortage of these kinds of um, training programs in the province. So we would like, um, you know, Minister McNaughton to also look at at dealing with that because that is another way to get more housing stock out of a lot of these buildings that are already standing. And, you know, buildings that are already standing, Alex, already have infrastructure. They take a lot less time Mm, to rebuild. Uh, and to repurpose into condos or or affordable housing or you know other types of community uses because electricity is there you know the, mm-hmm. the gas lines are there when you have a new subdivision built out in um you know the greenbelt for example um, you have to bring in all that in- infrastructure that takes years to to do that and especially with a labor shortage again there is there's you know the, the problem so. So we see our heritage buildings in the province as a solution to the housing uh, crisis, not as an impediment to the housing crisis. And so that's why we want to speak to Minister Ford. So if anyone in his office is hearing this, please. I have sent a few letters. You have my contact information.
2: Michael Ford, paging Michael Ford, do something about this. Yeah, well, uh, I'll keep my eye on this one because I do uh, pay attention to these stories because I cringe every time I see one disappear. Um, So I hope to see kind of a change on that one. Diane, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate your interest, Alex. Have a great day. You too. That is Diane Chin. She's with the Architectural Conservancy Ontario. And I get it. You're not going to save all of them and some shouldn't be saved because they're too far gone. But you know, like you want all this new housing is going to come in, and everything is going to look the same. You have to have these older properties and older buildings that show kind of the color, you know, the complexion. It shows you something different than just a ordinary uh, box.